This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Hi, this is Andy Bauman from Tom Ham's Lighthouse. I'm the chair of San Diego Restaurant Week. Please join us for San Diego Restaurant Week from September 24th to October 1st, with lunches available from $10 to $20 and dinner available from $20 to $50. Visit SanDiegoRestaurantWeek.com to see more than 180 restaurants participating in Restaurant Week. Another episode of the Sober Life Audio, Audio Experience. experience. <laughs> Romy Rome, good to see you. Yo, what's up, Bri? Hey, hey, we've got a very special, amazing yes, um, we do. authority mm-hmm. in the in the studio with us today. He's a boss. He's yeah. a boss. Yes. Check it out. We've got Doug Penny. Hey, Woo! how you guys doing today? Doug Penny, what up, brother? Doug oh, is much. in the house. Yeah. yeah. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, yeah glad man. to have you on the show, man. It is. Uh, you are a special guest, man. We are stoked to have you to talk about whatever whatever it is we talk about today. Yeah. Far we away. don't really know. That. What comes up, where it goes, who knows? Kind of like Alice in the Rabbit Hole right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Doug, before we start any episode with the guest, we always ask three Questions. Far away. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. right. Question number one. Yeah. What is your vision? My vision for life or for business. What do you guys want? Let's go both. Yeah. Okay. Double whammy. For life, uh, at this point where I'm at, it's all about legacy. It's Mm -hmm. all about what am I giving back to the world now? You know, Mm -hmm. like I've taken, I've taken, I've taken. And so my vision for life is all about legacy. Like, who can I mentor? Who can I help? Right. What am I giving back to the world? Yeah. Mm. You know, that's that. it's very clear cut. I'm ready to raise kids. I'm ready to mentor guys. And I'm ready to really pass on some positive stuff to the next generation. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dude, my, that's, that's my, dope. my vision for business is to just keep growing and mm-hmm. just grind as hard as I possibly can. And Make an impact. Yeah. I mean, that is always the goal. Yeah. Like, um... I think at like six months sober, I just I knew what I was gonna do. Yeah, I knew how I was gonna do it, and I just put the blinders on and just haven't like even looked any other direction. Right, just mm. grinded as hard as I could to get to where I'm at now. Commitment, committed yeah. action. Yeah, just taking the chance and going for it. Yeah, love it. So, uh, I guess we should get, do a quick disclaimer. What, what what's the nature of the business you're in, Doug? We might as yeah. well get that out right right out of the gate, and then we'll get into the other two questions. So uh, I'm in the drug and alcohol rehabilitation business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a part owner of uh, SoCal Recovery Centers. Uh, we're IOP sober living. Mm-hmm. We, we have locations in Dana Point, Encinitas, and Carlsbad. Men yeah. only. We don't do the co-ed stuff. I Ooh. Just, no he yeah. and, no he and and she and up yeah. in there. You know what? Uh, the partners kind of to got basics. together. Yeah, the partners got together and we were like, we need to design a place that would have gotten us sober. Yeah. So the first thing go. we said is like, no women. Yeah. Because um, yeah, we all right. have our issues and um, yeah. yes. So yes. that was uh, that was the first thing we decided and uh, we said, look, we want to do something that has heavy clinical value but still is ingrained in the twelve steps and mm. we've been able to do that and be pretty successful at that. So. Um, you know, that, that's pretty much what it is. Awesome. Nice. So so for our listeners, we have an authority with us today. We feel very blessed and honored to dive in and get this show going. So why don't we go into question number two, Roman? 
Yeah, question number two, Doug. What do you love? Oh, man. I love my wife. I'm just going to keep – I love my wife and my dog. Ooh. I do. I mean, there you I, go. I feel super blessed every night. I'll just be chilling on the couch. Right. And like, everyone talks about what, you know, the gratitude list and all, right. this, all this stuff. And I'm like, that's cool. All I got to do is really sit on my couch while I'm watching TV, look over at my wife and dog, and I'm like, God has shown up in my life in a way that I never, ever would have expected. So, like, Dang. it's just, it, that's so simple for me. Wow. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's what's up. Question number three. What is one book that has greatly impacted your life? Boundaries for Leaders is the one that... uh Really greatly yeah. impacted my life. Dang. Hey, tell uh, us about that. I've never even, I haven't heard of that he one. He was quick. You see yeah, that? right even, away. I didn't even get the answer. I didn't even get to do the question. <laughs> Let me tell you right now. Go well, ahead. Boom. Yeah. Um, Boundaries for Leaders is a book about being immaculate with your time, mm. being immaculate about what you're doing, and really starting to grow as a leader. Yeah. And that's whenever the idea of mentorship and legacy and all that really came into my mind. And actually, my mentor at the time gave it to me and was like, Look, you're really good at connecting to the 12-step people. Right. But you're a little out of touch with the corporate world. And he came mm. from the corporate side of things. Okay. And he was like, this book will help you guide, will help guide you into the journey that you're about to be on. And uh, it definitely did. So, Wow. Who's the author? Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud. Okay. Henry Boun- Cloud. Boundaries for Leaders. Oh, I like interesting. It. Okay. We'll have to take a look Would at that. Would you consider yourself a leader? Uh, I'm growing into one. Okay. I'm growing into one. I would, yeah. uh, I would say uh, I got a little bit more growth to do. Yeah. I'm still pretty selfish, you know. Mm. Uh, I, I would say the second book will be um, – there's a second book I got. Okay. okay. I, I do have a second book because uh, it, it was very important too. It's The War of Art. Okay. Not The Art of War, The War the of War Art. The War of Art. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, go go get those books. What's that okay. about? Yeah. Well, yeah. What's <laughs> I'm like, huh? War it's all art. about fear and resistance and how they show up in our lives and they show up in apathy. Like, oh, well – you know you have to get something done, but you tell yourself, you know what, I need to do the dishes, do the laundry, do uh, right. everything. Yeah. But I don't need to get, you know, it's all an avoidance tool to get what you really need to get done, that right. fearful thing you're you're afraid of. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not touching it, but you're still getting stuff done. So you're like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm still accomplishing something for the day. Yeah. But not taking on the task that needs to be taken on head on. That's right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So there we got go. our, our three shot fires. Yeah. We kind of blew. We kind of got it out of the gate pretty quick there. I yeah, like that it. Was, that was a good one. Let's let's give uh, Doug. Can you give uh, the, the listeners a little bit of background? I mean, any way who you, you want to take it. Where you're from? You who be, you are? I mean, <laughs> just, just a little bit of context. Yeah. For about yourself. Yeah. yeah. Any anywhere you want to go with it. Um. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Visalia, California. It's a oh yeah, it's kind of a small town up in Central California near Fresno. Okay. Yeah, I know Brian. Yep. You're familiar with it? Very familiar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a hometown. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I think he used to run around with, like my little cousin and stuff. Yeah. Oh what? Oh yeah. Yeah, who's wild as shit? I didn't know yeah. there was yeah. that connection. Yeah. The door's okay. open for his ass. But, yes, um, it is. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. To go. I don't want to get on to my twelve step story, but uh, you know, I was I was I was raised in Visalia. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Single mother, that whole thing, raised by my grandma and my mom. Um, my brother was severely autistic, so mm-hmm. uh, at a young age, I got real defensive real quick. Okay. Uh, you know, just normal childhood, though, nowadays, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, let's be right. honest. And, um, right. You know, I, I guess my background, played sports, raced bikes, did all that good stuff, you know, um, did a lot of drugs. Right. Drugs? Like, yeah. Was that something that came in when at did, an early age? Start? 
Man, you know what? I started my first line of meth at 11 years old. Holy shit. There we go. <sighs> yeah, it's wild, right? Wow. It was wild. We didn't yeah. even know what we had our hands on. Like, you know, because like growing up in the Central Valley, like it was nothing to see softballs in the tub. Mm-mm. Like we saw those at a young yeah. age. It was like everyone was cooking because we were yeah. like the meth capital of the world at the time, right? Yeah. yeah. So you go to like, I do. you yeah. go to like your friend's house and it was like, oh yeah, this is my dad's side hustle. And you'd go see uh, a full on volleyball chilling and you'd yeah. like, well, I'm going to shave a little off and try it. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, drugs were uh, very, very wow. much early and then, um, you know, the natural progression, all that good mm-hmm. stuff, all that fun stuff. And uh, Right, mm-hmm. right. Once I found the Oxy, though, and found all that good stuff, it was like, it was cranking. I was yeah. Game on. Yeah. I mean, that's that, uh, you know, you feel almost like a porn star, you know? You yeah. Know, any good opiate addict knows what I'm talking about. If you're out yeah, there. Yeah, shout mm-hmm. out opium yeah. addicts. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, I got a little gun charge, and uh, I needed to get my life together, mm. which, mm-hmm. you know, at 29 years old, you get a gun charge. You know, something's definitely wrong with your life. Yeah. So Yeah, so you got locked up? I got, um... I did like 30 days. You know what I mean? It was my first real charge and uh, it was my gun. Okay. It it just happened to be loaded with an extended clip. And I was Mm. just kind of one of those deals where I was kind of waiting on someone, you know, just just wanted to say hi. And, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, the judge was like, look, you and your friends have been in my courtroom forever because, you know, like, Visalia is a small town. Yeah. Right. And if you're like picking up enough ruckus in the town, like, they start to get to know who you you. are. They know who you are. Like, yeah. And I'd never done anything serious, but, like, I was commonly in the drunk tank. Like, it was, like... Okay. It was a common occurrence for me to be in the drunk tank. So it was, like, they... He was, like, look, if you go to rehab for 30 days, get your shit together, like, I'll look at that as time served. Oh, word. So he he gave you the opportunity to... Right. And... Get your act together. Yeah, fully thinking there's no way in hell I'm going to stay sober, right? Like, he was... Because he gave me a five-year tail. Oh, mm. so it was like a split sentence. Yeah, too. exactly what it was. Uh, okay. It was like, I'm going to let you go to rehab for 30 days, but um, you're going to get a five-year tail. So if you, like, jaywalk yeah. and I catch you, you're going to you're going to Corcoran for right. five years. Yeah, right? yeah. And, huh. uh, yeah, man, yeah, I went to rehab one time, found the 12 steps, and I didn't really need to get loaded again. That You know, Dang. that's super interesting, Doug. So from, like, 11 to 29, and all the, sto- like, I mean, all the stories that go in between there, this, that, there— Right. Causing damage, causing a ruckus to this first charge and really being able to get a hold of something that had some depth and value for you. What do you think about going to rehab? Like what were you ready to stop? Were was it just the timing? Like what were some of the mo like did you know you had a problem? Did you care? Like yeah, what was I knew going- I had a problem. Okay. Yeah. Like what was going on that like <laughs> yeah. yeah, I knew how to I you know what, like there's something really sick about opiates, right? Yeah. Like, there's something very sick about it in that you know the next day you're going to get loaded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could tell yourself the whole night, like, this is my last one. Like, this is it. You know, I'm going to do my whole stash tomorrow. I'm detoxing. Yeah. Right. But there's a little voice in the back of your mind that's like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking right. You're about to get loaded as fuck tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, I mean, I remember. It's be- like the greatest lie. It's the greatest. You know <laughs> it's the greatest lie anyone has ever told because you believe it, you, you, and at the same time you know it's bullshit. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I felt so locked into this feeling, right? This yeah. this cycle mm-hmm. that I was starting to welcome death. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, Damn. I was like starting to think, like, you know what? Like, death is going to be better than this because. I'm truly just enduring life. I'm not living life. Like mm-hmm. right. I remember seeing people run, whatnot, do all that kind of stuff, and I was like, you know, like fuck you. That's so fucked up. You can just get up and get a, 
cup of coffee and start your day. Yeah. Right. Like that was like, I was so jealous of that person because I needed a lot more than a cup of coffee to start my day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah. so I was like, I was ready, but I wasn't. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I, I was, I was too pussy to go through the detox, you know, but until, um, really what happened was, was, uh, I started calling my mom doing all that stuff. Like, Hey, bail me out. The boys right. in jail. Get me out of here. I got to fight this from the outside mom. And she was already going to Al Anon. Mm, so she okay. started telling me like well i'm going to these meetings and these people are telling me that <laughs> you're safer in there and blah 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 and i'm like no mom they're lying to you get me uh, out of here yeah so she wouldn't get me out so i called like my ex 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 girlfriend who like i was like somewhat decent to yeah and she's like yeah i'll get you out of there i'll get you out but you're going to rehab because last time i saw you look like shit and i mm-hmm. was like oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah 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 whatever whatever and um so i went and you know what it was i was really afraid of jail I'm not one of these guys who's like, yo, I did seven years. I'm, you know, on my head, blah yeah. blah blah. Like, right. Like, truth be told, I was scared of jail, so mm-hmm. I was like, and Corcoran, like, is a real jail. Yeah, you know it what is. I mean, like, I was no like, doubt. I was like, I'm not built for that. I don't, like, I'm there. I don't want that. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not, not a, doing I'm, that. I'm not a racist type of dude. I'm not gonna like go in there and click up. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just, I'm, it's just not the way my mind works, you know. And yeah. like, you know, you don't really have an option. So I was scared of jail. So I'm like, look, you need me to get a sponsor. Get commitments and, you know, do what you got. Because all I really wanted was a nice letter from the rehab, right? So I was like, <laughs> you know, I mean. So it looked good. Yeah, seriously. I yeah. was like, oh, yeah. I had a commitment at every meeting. I had a sponsor. I was just flying through the steps because I was like, man, I need a good letter from these guys. So I'm going to fake it. Yeah. And uh, it ended up working out for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like a uh, classic you know, case of fake it till you make it. Yeah, I guess so. And like, I, I mean, think. you it, hear that all the time. You know what? Dude, at about 60 days, I started feeling like. Yo, I ain't been dope sick in a while. Like, whoa, whoa. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't ever want to feel that again. Yeah. You know, like, I have, like, this weird theory that, like, the people who have the toughest time with long-term sobriety is, like, meth and crack addicts. Because that obsession is real on them. Right. I feel mm-hmm. like opiate addicts, when we really get through the withdrawal and we start waking up and we're just like, whoa, I ain't dope sick. I can just get up. We're yeah. kind of like, we got some gratitude in that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like some oh, yeah. real gratitude, like like yeah. deep gratitude in that. Yeah. So I, yeah. You ask any dope fiend who's sober, do you remember your last high? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. You ask any of them, do you remember your last detox? They all remember that shit. Yeah. Right, right away. And like yeah. I had the fortune, I couldn't afford to go to detox. So like mm. I seized out in front of my mom. That's always rad. Mm. And um, you know, that whole deal, like, you know, kicked on my couch and mm-hmm. You know, everything that goes along with that. So it was right. like, man, it was real pain. And to go through it, it was like, I was stoked. And um, I got into rehab and I started uh, seeing how many people were in there and seeing how much it cost to be there. And I was like, man, maybe this is the business I need to be in. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's that's kind of my background where it got started. And I had a, um, I had a killer mentor, man. My therapist, when I went to treatment, um, he's like, guy's like 70 years sober. He's an old ass man. Yeah. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, <laughs> he's a, he does have some time, but I, I think he's like 30, 30, uh, 30 yeah. plus years. Shout yeah. out long-term sobriety. Yeah. yeah. Right. Old ass man. But yeah. still doing it though. Yeah. It, no, he's <laughs> not, not dry. No, he's the truth. Okay. And, uh, yeah. He, um, man, he just like took me under his wing super quick. He, he liked me for some reason. And, um, uh, I got in a situation, you know, we were talking about Chris Bennett before. And, Shout out Chris Bennett. Yeah, and, and the guy who I'm talking about is Rodney Robinson. He's a— Shout out Rodney. Yeah, he uh, 
he's a great guy, man. He really he he uh took me under his wing and really kind of just gave me all the game in the industry because he'd been he'd been working in the industry for twenty five years at that time. Wow, so had a lot of wisdom, a lot to give back. Yeah, yeah like, and you're in Southern California, right? One, one yeah, somewhere. At, okay. at, this, at this point, I'm in Dana Point. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, kind of doing my thing there, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, to spend time with him, he's a big cigar smoker. So yeah. I'm a big cigar smoker now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah that's yeah, just yeah. how it worked. I would just go smoke cigars with him. And, and and literally, I just, I soaked up so much game from him. From like, he worked from everything from running call centers to being a program director to being a therapist. Just did, He did it all. Did and, it all. and it sounded like at some point early in sobriety, you had an idea that this was something you wanted to do, was give back, help other drug addicts, other alcoholics. Uh, the forces that be, the powers in the universe seem to have put the right mentor right in your place, right at the right time, and you're learning all the ins and outs. Well, so that's so sort of true, right? Okay, yeah. So I had a pretty good gig that I could go back to um, where I was a produce broker. Like, I was going to say, does it have to do with farming? Yeah, it does, right? <laughs> this is where we're broker. from. It's all farming. Yeah, right, right, right. I had yeah. a pretty good gig yeah. I go back to as a produce broker, right? Yeah. So I, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure. Like, I... I at this point, I was pretty sure I liked running HA panels. I like or yeah. uh, H and I panels. Sorry, yeah. I liked uh, sponsoring guys. I like okay. I liked giving back for free. Right, but um, you liked being of service. Right, yeah. But right. I questioned if I wanted to charge money for it. You know right. what I mean? Like I had right. a, I had a pretty uh, internal dilemma. And it's it, like a moral conflict. Yeah, right. and it's something I think a lot of people that work or are interested in working in the field or want to get in. I, I, Personally, myself, e- e- I had the same conversation. Right. Right. Yeah, I think it's it's yeah. pretty common. It's a uh, for those that end up working in treatment. You know, I, I'll say this because I want to say this now, like, be, so that we don't get off topic. One of the most important things, if you think about working in this industry, working in treatment is not your recovery. Mm-hmm. And like, I wow. had, yeah. I had to learn that like really quick, and that's yeah. what ultimately brought me to that point because I was like. This isn't your recovery. You're getting paid to be here. Yeah. So not only do I need to work at a treatment center, be of service there, but I'm getting paid to be there. But when I leave that place, I need to still be taking dudes through the steps. Yeah. I need to still be doing the H&I panels. I need to still have commitments, and I need to still be giving back because right. that's my recovery. This is my job. And right. maybe even doubled those efforts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every progression you get in this industry, you need to triple down on your efforts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, like, it's like, that's like. That's a nugget right there. I cannot stress that enough. If you're new in this field mm-hmm. and you start telling yeah. yourself, look, I'm taking guys to meetings. I live at the sober living. I'm doing this. Right. Cool. You better be hitting five extra meetings a week on your own with no clients there that, yep. you, that you do not want to get up to go to, but still go. Right. Yeah. This is, this brings up an interesting topic because I know a lot of people, you know, you know, being in sobriety for, you know, number of years, like a lot of people get sober and a lot of people are interested in working in the field of recovery and, and treatment centers and becoming a, a drug and alcohol counselor or, right. you know, various other jobs. It, it's something that a lot of people feel driven to. A lot of people don't end up doing it, but those that do end up getting in this field, I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong. You, you see it all the time that people fall off left and right. Man, it's uh, it, it's actually sad. You know, like it takes a special breed to really work in this field. Yeah. Mm. Just because you got, you know, 
six months sober and you finish your 12 steps does not qualify you to work in this field. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's a tough field to work in. Yeah. Like, I, uh, I hate to say it like this, but I've almost gotten a little bit callous. Mm. Like, I've, I did admissions at four, a place called 449 for uh, years. I helped start that place. And, you know, I was pretty slick on the phones. You know, I could right. talk the kid in. You know, I go around market. You know, that's, that's right. the basics of what I do is I'm, I'm a marketer. I do business development. Yeah. And um, I had this kid that came in and, you know, he wanted to go home early, uh, didn't have no more money. Talk to the higher ups, four four nine. Like, yo, this kid ain't ready. Like, I'm spending time with him. He's not ready. Right. They were like, all right, Doug, we'll scholarship him. So I got them to extend it out. They were going to scholarship him, do all that. He still talked to his mom and sent him home. Hmm. So he goes home. You know, right away, shooting dope. Mom calls me. Hey, shooting dope. Da, 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 da. You know, I need mm-hmm. some help. So I'm right. I'm calling everyone I know on the East Coast. I'm calling you know everyone in Baltimore, everyone in Virginia. Like, hey, help me, help me. Right. And we're trying to get him in. Within the next day, the kid dies. So I get a call from the mom. Right. And she's like. And I was like in my board shorts at Seven Eleven, like you know, getting a Twinkie or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you know, it's like right. a Saturday afternoon. Like right. I, I'm not prepped for this. I go, hey, how you doing? You know, I think I got him going somewhere. She goes, no, Doug, he died last night. She's like, and she's bawling, and she's like, you're so good with your words. Tell me something to make me feel better. And it's like, whoa, I, I don't know what to say. You know, I was right. like, you know, and just off the top, I'm like, well, you know, he'll. He'll never be forgotten. Anytime I get a chance, I'll bring him up and I'll, yeah. you know, I'll let people know about him. But like, right. And I have a series of those, you know what right. I mean? Like, I don't know how many kids I've lost. And yeah. And I know you've been doing this for a second. You've, si- you've si- lost. Since this yeah. podcast started, four of we've our lost friends. Four. four. Four of our friends we've lost. I mean, so. To overdoses. Yeah. So, so you've got to be like. And then it's even tougher when it's a client. Oh, yeah. And it's even tougher when it's a client that you could help. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But whether it's insurance or finances keeps you away from being able to help that mm-hmm. person. So that was one of the one things like whenever uh, – so kind of how I got in uh, with SCRC was uh, I was – I was I'd built 449 into a pretty big place at the time. Or helped build. I don't want to say I built, but I helped yeah. build them into a big place. And, right. Uh, um, the owners at SCRC came over and was like, look, we want to expand down to San Diego and we want to give you some ownership to do that. And I was like, cool, let's do it. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. uh, one deal is like, we ain't going to let other people determine how long people can stay with us. Right. You know, like, so if money runs out, more than likely we're just going to keep them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep them until the clinicians tell me, Doug, it's time for them to go. Right. Because right. I've lost so many like that. You know, right. we've lost... Well, I mean, like you said, four yeah. people, and my the reason I brought all this up and it went down this like weird rabbit hole was because like if you want to get into this field, you better triple down on your efforts and your own recovery, right? And you better get used to losing some people, right? yeah, like real quick, like like right away, like get used to it, yeah, right, because you're gonna go to some <clears throat> weird places in your head if you don't. I I hear you a thousand percent. It's not Doug, for the faint of heart. I'd I'd like to really hear your perspective on the value of treatment because there are lots of addicts and alcoholics out there that go that don't go. There's stats I think are all over the place. I think you can almost find what you want to find if yeah. you if you're looking for it <laughs> stat wise. Yeah. But like what what would you say 
for listeners, for, for yourself, in your experience, what do you think the value of going to treatment is? Like what, what, what can someone not expect to get, but what, what can it help them do? Well, what are some of the results? So I'm going to break it down by, um, each, uh, each point of care. Okay. So detox, I mean, I think all of us, I think most people should go to detox. If you're hooked on drugs, yeah, go especially, to detox. especially alcohol or benzos, you should definitely go to, you should definitely go to detox. Okay. And what's that look like? Is that a day thing or is that a two week thing? Just, so, just for those who do, on average might be a week though. Probably four to fourteen days. Okay, yeah. you know cool. if it, if it's heavy benzo, I mean, or if it's like methadone, you're looking at like a twenty eight day detox. Okay, yeah. you know if you if, if if you've been using high amounts of methadone, you're gonna okay. be sitting in there for a while. Okay, right? and you're gonna leave, and you're still gonna be hurting. And and the benefit to having it and a detox is that a place where there's medical professionals? Like what? Should be. Okay, <laughs> it should be. okay. So generally, if it's, it's licensed. Some, got it. Yeah. Okay. You should have a couple doctors, a couple <laughs> nurses around. But maybe. I'm just breaking it down for those yeah, who yeah, may, yeah, yeah. you know, who might, yeah, who might not know. I mean, it yeah. should be some lighthearted like art therapy groups. Okay, like just cool. some real simple stuff. Like yeah, and uh, mainly it's just. You're just doing uh, med maintenance at that time. Just, okay. You're just trying to get off the drugs. Yeah, you're just trying okay. to taper them off drugs. I mean, got it. And then uh, the residential stay is what to expect is you're still going to be in a fog. Mm. You're going to still be in such a fog that you don't know if you should get sober or not. You're kind of on the fence. Right. And for me, what I feel like is residential gives you 30 to 45 days safe from yourself. Yeah. You're locked in a confined space. Where you're kind of like... You can't make bad decisions. It's a lot harder. Because you got a lot of people around you. Yeah, there's a lot of checks and balances yeah. between you and your you and your drug of choice. You know, right. where if you're just going to your AA meetings, like... And I believe this about AA, and I'm a 12-stepper. I love AA. But you can find what you want in AA. If you want to yeah. get sober, you'll get sober there. Right. You want to get laid, you'll get laid there. And if you want to get high, you'll get high there. Yeah. You know? And if you're on the fence and you're not sure what you're looking for... At least at the residential, you got 30 to 45 days safe from yourself where you're starting to like right. kind of lightly get into the, uh, you know, whatever the, the underlying issues are. Mm-hmm. Because I do believe that all drug addicts have some underlying issues. Mm. I yeah. feel like there is some trauma there. Um, I mean, all that stuff. So Whether it's like a worthiness conversation, a trauma, a hurt, a pain. Yeah. Childhood. Abuse, yeah. Neglect. Not believing in yourself. Well, trauma is such a weird thing because really what trauma is, is your resilience to whatever happened to you. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? So, you know, you and me, Brian could have the same event happen to us and you walk away and you're like, man, that was nothing, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like scarred for life from it. You know what right. I mean? Right. Because my resilience is lower than yours. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, so you have that 30 days to kind of start just giving you that safe time where you're starting to build on who you are and what's going on, what's wrong with you. And then the the IOP and sober living piece, and you know, I mean, obviously, I'm gonna plug that a little bit because that's why yeah. I'm on. But yeah, you know, come I, on. I think that's where um, that's the integration back to life. If it's done correctly, if I do my job, I should have integrated you back into life where you don't need me anymore. Right. right. You're fully self supportive on your own. You got a job. You've been working there. You know, six nine months. Mm-hmm. You're through the twelve steps. You're you know, you're at, you should be real deep into your therapy. By the mm-hmm. time you leave my place, right? Yeah. I mean, you should be deep into it to where you're like, man, I don't know if I want to talk about this anymore. You know, I mean, seriously, you should be. And, right. Um, you should be starting to give back. Right. You know? So those are the benefits of it. But I also have a rule that, I, 
Is it cool if I tell you? Yeah, like, this, you, this, this you, is my thought. Yeah, you this go. Is you. This, this is, is all you, man. Okay. All right, yeah. I feel like I'm talking to you. Star. Too much. All no, right, yeah, right. you're good. All right, star. So I, have, <laughs> I have my hundred percent rule, and I know if if anyone that knows me is hearing this, is like they're like, fuck, here he goes, you know. But <laughs> but I have this. All right? So I have I have this. I have if you if you take a hundred percent, the twenty there's twenty percent that come to rehab. Okay, they don't need to be there. They could have just gone to the local AA meeting. Yeah, done it. They didn't Ma- need to, they, maybe not even alcoholic or just. Up in the air. Let's just, up in the air. J- just for safety's sake. Okay. Just because I won't confuse Got anyone. It. Let's say they're all alcoholics. They, okay. They all, they're not the hard user. They're the real deal. Okay. Okay. But you know, they okay. came in with such a high level of commitment. Yeah. You know, they were just gung-ho about it that, mm-hmm. you know, they just needed AA, 12 steps, and they're good. They didn't They didn't need the extra time. Right. right. And then there's the, the bottom 20% that you could send them to, I don't know, Betty Ford and lock them up for three years, and they're going to figure out a way to, to fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, we know. So we they're know like not gonna get. Yeah, they're they're yeah. they they just don't want it. You know, yeah. like they there's just something in them. They don't want it. They don't want to commit to the twelve. Whatever it is, they don't want to do it. So what I'm working on is that sixty percent. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? There's the sixty percent that come in who kind of want it and kind of don't. Mm-hmm. And that's where rehab is the sweet spot, because hopefully, if you get into a good place with good people. They're going to take you from the side of the fence that isn't, like, getting loaded, and they're going to take you to the, the side of the fence that's recovery. Because they're right. sitting there. They're 60% on the fence. Right. Right. And that's what I'm always targeting because I look at it. If I can get that 60 plus that 20, that's an 80% success rate. Yeah. Mm. So when I when you say, like, is there benefits to rehab? Like, yeah, if you fall into yeah. that 60%, yeah, <laughs> yeah. To get your ass signed up. Yeah. But, you know, if you're that gung-ho 20%, don't waste the money. Yeah. And if you're that other 20%, yeah, man. fucking figure pray. it out. Pray. Yeah. Pray. Yeah. Pray. Uh-huh. Pray. 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 So what, what have been some of the lessons you've learned, um, you know, running a rehab, uh, outpatient, um, IOP, in your own sobriety? Like what have been some, what have been some of your big takeaways? Like I, I know you got an amazing wife, an awesome dog. Yeah. What What are some things that are coming up? You know, we we're talking about boundaries of leadership, and <laughs> and you know, my experience of you, Doug, is that like you are you are looked at as a leader in the community. Yeah, there's no doubt. Thank and you. and I know that you know. There's. I want to hear some. I'm trying to pull it out of you. What are some more nuggets? Some some lessons you've learned. Some some things that have you know had an impact with you. Yeah, something that you can share with the audience where they yeah. can feel like, oh wow, I got something I learned. Something that's been a big takeaway for me. Um. Man, I'm I'm gonna bring it back to mentorship. Mm. You know what I mean? Like everyone will ask you, like, well, how'd you get here? How'd you get there? And like everything I've accomplished is because it's been because of mentors. Mm. Okay. You know? So that would be the first thing I learned. Like I didn't know that when I got sober. Right. That was something I didn't know before I got sober was how important mentorship is. You know, yeah. Not, yeah. not just sponsorship, but like genuine mentorship. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, right. Like I think it's really important for guidance. Yeah, and like um, my first sponsor was like, look, I can really be good for you for your love life. I can really help you with the 12 steps, but I don't know how to balance a checkbook. You're going to have to find someone who knows how to do that. Right. Yeah. And you're going to have to find someone who really knows how to market and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I've, I've relied on my mentors a lot. Um, the second, the, the biggest lesson I yeah, can pass big. on, the biggest lesson I can pass on to people is like, take it easy on yourself. Mm. You know be nice. You yeah. You know, take it easy on yourself because, um, and be willing to roll with the punches because, like, man, I used to beat the shit out of myself. I would go on these trips, like, yeah. and I would go meet with, like, like you know, Fortune 500 companies, like, 
and I was like, I'm literally shopping at like Burlington Co Factory, right? Like yeah. Trying to put an outfit together. Right. Looking so bummy. And then I'd leave there like, oh, you idiot. You're the dumbest person. Like, you know, like, what are you thinking? You're way out of your league. Like, you know, that insecurity would come yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. And we all relate to that. You know, and I would just be like, what are you doing? You don't belong here. And like, you know, I had to learn at some point, like, if you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to. Like, you know, no one else is going to believe in you more than you do. Right. And that's like, and people can give you all that ho ho mm. bullshit where they're like, oh man, I believe in you. I believe in you. But they believe you'll be as good as them, but not better. Mm. You know, if you want to be better, you have to believe in yourself and that you can accomplish whatever you really put yourself to. Holy shit, man. That's, uh, <laughs> dang. Yeah, that's funny you say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that, that was, that came up this weekend for me in a presentation I gave was exactly that, believing in yourself. Yeah. And what, what I find, at least for me, and it was, it was easy for me to believe in myself when it came to helping others. Cause right. I knew that I was like in, in the AA, um, ingrained in me. Like I knew that I was effective doing that. And, and I, it's just been in me. And, what I found, though, to take it to the next level is you've got to believe in yourself to believe in yourself, not yeah. just because of what you're going to do for others. But there's a point where, like, yeah. your vision has got to be scary enough for you to have, like, some <laughs> some some fear around. It, it's no called doubt. the BHAG. It's called the Big, Huge, Hairy, Audacious Goal. <laughs> and it should be so, like, it should be so fucking crazy that you're, you're embarrassed to tell people about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you should be, like, totally embarrassed. Like, you should, like, it should be, like, a fear of yours, like, man ask me about this like right you know what i mean like <laughs> right like you know what i mean like it should be like yeah. scary you yeah know? and if it doesn't scare you you better go bigger because i remember when i first got sober i was like man i just like to be able to own like oh, i wanted to be a program director like when i first started getting in the field i was yeah. like man if i could just be a program director somewhere <laughs> have a little apartment i'll be cool right <laughs> right yeah you know hey, similar, similar goals man yeah yeah and now it's like yeah i got different goals my, <laughs> my b-tag's a lot different now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that's uh, a, and that's another thing is it, it constantly grows as you continue to grow right that's mm -hmm. the that's the plan because if you if you just reach that that initial goal and you settle well you should go die right right like like my dad, okay, he's a perfect example for me. He's 73 years old. Mm -hmm. That man, like, he, I'm like, when are you going to retire? He's like, I don't want to. Yeah. He's like, retirement is death to me. And yeah. I just like, I have that in my head. Like, I just want to grind. Yeah. yeah. Make an impact and yeah. keep going. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Wow, that was wonderful. That was a wonderful podcast, man. Yeah. We was. went digging for a little gold right there. I think we found <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, uh, Doug, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks thank for you. being on. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's an honor, man. Yeah, supreme pleasure. And thank you guys for tuning in, listening. This has been another episode of The Sober, Sober Life, Life Audio, Audio Experience. Experience. Boom. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.